There's a couple things that I forgot to uh, mention when I did announcements. First of all, if you're a guest here and you've only been here a couple times and you've never come out to the information counter uh, and met me, and even if you did have already met me in this room, I've got, we've got a gift that we'd really like to give you. So if you've never, okay, wait a minute, I can't say if you've never received a gift from us because it's not... <laughs> Anyway, if you're our guest here today or in the last few weeks, please uh, stop by the information counter, counter out there. I'd love to visit with you a little bit and, and give you a gift from North Hills. And then there was one other thing that I... Oh, next week, next Sunday is Youth Sunday. So uh, Pastor Brandon's going to be bringing the message and our kids are going to be uh, doing everything. They'll be ushering us. They'll be handing out bulletins. They'll be whatever, whatever it is the adults normally do. They're going to be leading us up here uh, singing. They're going to do the whole service. So make, you'll, you want to make sure that you come uh, next week and be a part of that. So pretty much everyone has heard of Karl Marx, right? We all kind of have heard that name Karl Marx before. But, but very few of us know about his sister Anya. Uh, his sister Anya was a super talented runner. In, in fact, she... She was so well known from the Olympics that her name is mentioned at the beginning of every race. Anya Marks, right? Okay, all right. Okay, while that may not be true, um, this, this is, while the 1936 Olympics, they were held in Germany and there was controversy because of Adolf Hitler's influence. There, there was an example of two Japanese pole vaulters who participated in that Olympics. Uh, they both ended up second and third. They ended up tied. And, and they were such good friends, uh, Suio and Shui Nishida. I'm probably murdering those, but that's basically how they're, they're spelled. Um, they vaulted the same height, they were close friends, and they both refused to continue to compete for second and third place. So they're like, we're done. Um, and then they had to make a decision on who was gonna get second place, who was gonna get third place, and they ended up, they ended up uh, giving it to the oldest. They gave the, the silver uh, medal to the older one and the bronze medal to the younger one. Well, when they got back to Japan, they took their medals and they split them in half and they soldered them back together. So, because neither of them wanted to be ahead of the other. And, and it's, what a great example, though it's like second and third, it's not first and last, but what a great example of how Jesus uh, challenges us, commands us to live our life. The first will be last. That's the shocking claim that we're going to look at today. And I know you think this is another one of those that's really not that shocking. But when we look at it and we see what Jesus is really talking about and how we actually live our lives, it, it can be shocking to us. And I think we will see that to be true. What, what does Jesus mean by the first will be last? How does that even work? First will be last. And to answer that question, we're going to dive into a particular passage in the book of Mark. We're going to jump around just a little bit this morning, but first turn to chapter 10 in the book of Mark, if you would. And we see in verse 31, I'll give you just a second to, to find Mark chapter 10. <clears throat> And if you look at, I'm just going to focus on these, these two, the two statements that Jesus made. In verse 31, Jesus says, but many who are first will be last and the last first. 
Okay, and then uh, after two of his disciples make the request to be seated at the right hand and the left hand of Jesus in glory, uh, in verse 43 and 44, Jesus says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. The first will be last, and the last will be first. And that just doesn't match the world that we live in today. That's not how we often operate in our lives. How can you be first and be last? It, I, I heard a football player Friday night give his wisdom to the, to, the, to the lower classmen, and this is what he said. If you aren't first, you're last. That's what he said. So you're either first or you're last. You're, you're not really both. I mean, we can all think of it that way, right? We're driven to be number one. I want to be number one in everything. That's true for me. I do. I'm highly super competitive. We push our kids to do their best. Why? Just because they can do their best? No, oftentimes we want them to be the best. We want them to be first. Sometimes second and third is a tough lesson. And as we wrestle with these shocking words of Jesus, I want us to consider three questions this morning. The first question is this. Who has our attention that we think is first? Okay, who has our attention that we think is first? Think about this. This is what feeds into our unhealthy view of winning, even ranking ourselves above or below other people. During the Seven Respectable Sins of the West uh, sermon series on Sunday mornings, we looked at length at the sin of comparison. If you missed that series, maybe go to our NorthHillsBaptist.net website and check out those messages, especially uh, watching the one on the sin of comparison. Uh, this falls into that category. Who do you have in your head as you live your life who you think is number who, who you think is better than you? You think they're first. You think they're above you. And maybe your goal is to do what you can to beat them, to get above them, to win. Okay? Life becomes a competition. And ultimately, life is a competition that we will never win. So think about this. Who is the richest person that you know personally? Who's the richest? Who's the person that you think is the richest person? And why do you think that about them? Uh, maybe, maybe, you want, maybe you want to be like them. Maybe you want to be as rich as they are. This is what you're thinking in your head. You know, we, my, my parents used to say, a lot of people try to keep up with the Joneses. I, and for the longest time, I could never figure out who the Joneses were. We didn't know anybody by that name. Who can you think of who you think has a higher class rating? Or maybe it's a job ranking. They have more sales than you do. Or, or they have a nicer office. Or they don't have to work as many hours as you do, but they get paid more. Maybe you are watching interviews on TV or you're in a Zoom conference calls with people who are working from home and you, and you look at their background and you go, wow, that's a really nice house. Wish my house was like that. Not realizing that it's probably fake, right? They're actually in front of a green screen and they put themselves someplace where, where they really aren't. Maybe you just got home from one of the best vacations you and your family have ever taken 
And you jump on Facebook and you're getting ready to share your pictures, but somebody else has already shared their vacation. And you begin thinking, oh, wow, look where they went. Oh, I wish we hadn't, I wish we could have gone to a place that nice. Right? And we think that they have it better than we do. Maybe, maybe it's somebody else's career field. Or, look, how come their sports teams always win and mine always lose? I say that a lot of weekends, right? Why? I mean, my teams are terrible. They're terrible. They can't keep coaches. They're, they're, they, they can't keep quarterbacks. They pay way too much money. Oh, sorry. I'm, let me get back to, to this. Or you compare your family to other families, or somehow you feel like they always win. They always get the breaks. You know, why, why am I struggling? Maybe you're single and you just, you really want to find that, that person and you just can't. And you got friends who, I mean, you're just praying and praying, God, provide this, pro- provide me with somebody who will love me and care for me and, and live with me the rest of my life. And, and you've got friends, they're not, they're not praying at all. And they're getting, they're getting the boyfriends and they're getting married. They're getting all the stuff. Why not me? Who in your mind is rich who, who has your attention, who you think is, is richer than you are? Man, I'm not getting what I deserve. And our level of discontentment grows and grows with each comparison. And the truth is this. We often make stuff up about other people. We think they're a certain way when the reality is they're, they're actually probably not. Um, we, we fill in a lot of blanks. See, we need to be reminded this morning that the stories that we tell ourselves about other people are rarely true. When we fill in those blanks, we don't, we don't know everything about them. We get caught up in big pity parties and we forget this. And we also need to be reminded this, that the stories other people tell about us are rarely true. They don't know your life. They don't know what you're dealing with. They don't know the struggles that you're experiencing. We, we do this on Facebook, right? We, we, we put all the good stuff up there. And, 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 you know, you can read somebody's post and go, wow, that's, I mean, I'm hopeful that, that things are that well, but man, I, I think maybe they're really struggling. Now, that may or may not be true. We like to fill in blanks, don't we? You see, they make up details about us like we do them. And they start comparing, and they think that we're richer than they are, and we think that they're richer than we are. But the reality is this, and we know that this is true, that people rarely tell the truth, because none of us ever tell our truest story. We always keep, we always keep the, the hard truth close to our chest, don't we? We, we just don't want to let on to other people that, that we're just terribly struggling in life right now. I mean, we should we should. We might pretend to be better than we are. Or, or, look, you might think that other person is really rich, but really what they, what they have is a lot of debt. And you just don't know it. We want to be like them. No, wait. We, we want to be better than they are. I don't just want what they have. I want to be better than they are and have more than what they have. It is obvious to me that Jesus evaluates life differently, doesn't he? 
Which brings us to our second question that we need to ask ourselves, and that's this. How are we measuring our life? How are you measuring your life? What is your ranking system? As we relate to people, how do we measure other people? Almost every time, right? Our system involves, our system of ranking involves wealth. It involves followers. It involves how many likes they got on their Facebook post relative to how many likes I got on my Facebook post. I mean, you may chuckle at that, but that's a real thing. Uh, we, we rank people by their athleticism, by their beauty, by their degrees, by how hard they work, by the clothes that they wear, where and how they live, how they smell, how hard they work. We rank people, and then we compare ourselves to them, and we think, eh, right? Oh, I'm better than them. Cool. feel pretty good about myself. You see, Jesus wants us to reorder our ranking system because he says the first will be last and the last will be first. You see, his kingdom is upside down. God's kingdom is the upside down kingdom. It doesn't make sense to the world. And when we really dig deep, we can understand it. But oftentimes we refuse to live it. We refuse to surrender. We refuse to give in to what he wants for us. You see, Jesus wants us to reorder our ranking system because he is the king. He is the Lord of the upside-down kingdom. Now, it's not bad to work hard, but sometimes we give our work more priority than other things that are important in our life. Sometimes our work can get in the way of noticing a need that somebody else might have, and we think, well, I really need to get this thing done, and we just walk right past them and and, and we don't offer to help them at all. And, and work is bad if we think it's going to earn us something with God. If, if we think our hard work and our faithfulness to church or whatever, whatever you put in that blank right there, uh, if we think that somehow earns us a greater place in heaven, a higher place in God's economy, uh, we are sorely mistaken because Jesus clears it up right here. He says the first will be last and the last will be first. Look at uh, verses 17 through 20, Mark chapter 10. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit life? Great question. We should all ask that question and we should all know the answer to it. This is what Jesus tells him. Uh, the, why do you call me good? So he says, good teacher. Jesus is like, why do you call me good? And I'm thinking, well, because you're God. Right? So Jesus kind of interjects that in there. He says, no one is good except God alone. So what does that tell us about Jesus? He's God. Right? Right there. Jesus says, I'm God. He doesn't say, don't call me good. He says, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, he says. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Okay, he, first of all, he doesn't give him all ten of the Ten Commandments. I think there's just seven there. And I mean, really, anybody, anybody in here murder someone? Okay, right? I mean, these seem like ones that you could do. Didn't kill anybody. Um, I, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't stolen. Uh, your parents, that doesn't count. Okay, you know, you borrow your dad's 
crescent wrench ends up in your work truck, your work truck ends up where you live, that doesn't count, okay? That's absconding, and that's okay. No, I'm... You shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. And, and this is the guy's reply. Teacher, all these I have kept since I was a boy. I've done all these. What does he expect Jesus to say? Right, okay, here's your medal. Right, you're in. That's, that's all I require. No, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus, Jesus looks at him not with disdain, not with condemnation. Look what it says. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, Jesus says. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great Wealth. You see, in his mind, his measure of success was wealth. He didn't want to give it up, did he? He didn't want to give it up. He asked for what to do. Jesus gave it to him, and he wouldn't even give up his wealth for eternal life. What did Jesus ask the disciples to give up? Everything, right? Jesus said, come follow me. And we read earlier in the book of Mark, they dropped everything. They walked away from businesses. They walked away from parents, from families to follow Jesus. Jesus didn't promise them the hills. Jesus said, come follow me. And they did. Jesus asks the same thing of us. You see, Jesus' ranking system isn't based off of a list, is it? It's based off one thing. His work his work. We need Jesus to even get in line, let alone whether to be first or middle or last. And if he says the back of the line is the best place for us to be, I think we say, hey, how can I get to the back of the line? I was at a, move, I was at a moving sale yesterday, and, and the guy was literally giving stuff away. Um, I mean, I would say how much, and he would say, for you, $5. And, and, I, and I told him one time, I'm like, well, how about 10? No, no, five. Have you ever done that at a garage sale? I must have been out of my mind. I mean, I'm looking for deals, right? And he's giving me deals. But the deals were just crazy. Um, I, I felt bad. I mean, he's... The first thing I was looking at was a, a still leaf blower, gas-powered leaf blower. Oh, I've always wanted one of those. I have a little electric one. Battery runs for about 15 minutes. You know, barely blow the dust off a flea. He said, well, there's a trick to starting it. And he showed me the trick. And, and he said, sometimes it does this. And, and then the last words out of his mouth were, you know what? You can just have it. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to say no. And then I'm looking around and, you know, I was tell, telling my wife, I, I, I made a haul for 50 bucks. I, I made a pile. People were going through my pile. I'm like, oh, whoa, wait a minute. That's mine. 
It may look like a table of stuff for sale. That's my stuff. And super generous. And, and I felt blessed when I left there. And we were talking about it last night. And I'm like, well, maybe I should have gotten more. I mean, there was still a lot of stuff there when I left. Uh, but see, oftentimes we say you get what you pay for, right? You know, you buy a cheap chair, you get a cheap chair. You buy a cheap car battery, well, you know, it's going to leave you out in the cold maybe. We oftentimes say that we get what we pay for because, I mean, we know that, 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 that in this world, everything under the sun, that's kind of how it goes. But, but I'm not talking about under the sun this morning. I, we're, we're, we're living under the sun, but we're living in the kingdom of God, the upside down kingdom. And in the kingdom of God, we don't get what we pay for. We get what Jesus paid for. Wow. We get what Jesus paid for. We are intent on playing the fairness game in so many aspects of life. That's not fair. I didn't get that and they did. I deserve this. They don't deserve that. We, look, we need to wise up. Praise God that he doesn't operate this way. Because if we got what we paid, what, if we got what we deserved, I mean, look, we need to wise up. Praise God that he doesn't operate this way. Because as a Christian who has been saved by grace, who gets something that they don't deserve and don't get something that we do deserve. Jesus, someone who was perfect, died, surrendered his very own life for a bunch of flawed, stinky sheep. That's us. And that isn't fair. But that's exactly what Jesus did. We got something we didn't deserve, and that's forgiveness. Praise God, forgiveness, salvation, eternal life. So how are you measuring your life? Are you trying to work your way to heaven? Are you trying to stack things up in your favor? Who has your attention that you think is first? Who are you paying attention to that, that you, you want to be like or, or you want to compete with? You, you, they got this really nice boat across the street and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to get a big camper and park it out front of my house and, and, and then we can, you know, that, that'll be really cool. We can, we can talk about that. And we, we wouldn't admit that that's how we think, but sometimes that is how we think. There's a third question I want us to consider this morning. Is there anything in our life that we need to let go of? I don't know if you've noticed, but that was a question last week too, and the week before. Because in the book of Mark and in Jesus' message, there's a lot of letting go in the beginning of the book. The rich young ruler couldn't let go of his wealth, could he? He couldn't do what Jesus asked of him. Look at verse 22 and following Mark chapter 10. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. 
A camel going through the eye of a needle. What kind of mental picture does that conjure up in your head? What, what was Jesus even talking about? Well, there's, there's two explanations that are given for, for his statement there. Some believe that Jesus was literally talking about a sewing needle and a, can, and a camel, which you think, that's just, there's just no way you could do that. I, I tried to find a picture, I've seen one, of the guy, he's licking his fingers and he's doing this to the hair on the top of the camel's head. And then there's this needle over here, right? So the other version of that is this picture right here, and, and that version is the picture of what's called a needle gate. And, and needle gates were small holes in the city walls that people could go in and out of. And, and some think that you could get a camel through that needle gate, but the camel would have, you would have to take everything, all of the burdens would have to be shed from the camel, everything would have to be taken off of the camel, and the camel would have to get down on his knees to work his way through that. And, and if you think about salvation, it's really a good illustration, right? I don't know if that's the illustration that Jesus was making, the truth that, that we need to shed everything. We need to give up everything to follow him and get on our knees and surrender to Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't think it's so much that we need to know what, what Jesus was talking about what, with that illustration. I think the more important thing for us to know here is how the disciples responded to what Jesus said. Um, look at verse 26 and see how the disciples responded to that illustration. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? So whatever Jesus was descri describing, whether it was that picture or that picture, it was impossible to them. Well, who then can be saved. Then, then who? How are we going to figure this out, Jesus? It sounds impossible. And Jesus says, good thing you have me. Verse 27, Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. You see, we can't follow Jesus without Jesus. We need Jesus. Uh, look up here at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. For by one sacrifice, he, Jesus, has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. When, when, when we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, he calls us, he draws our heart to him, we surrender, we believe, we confess with our mouth that he is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. He was God, he was the Messiah, he was crucified and he's living today. And we are being made holy. It was that one sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice, that has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And then if we skip down to verses 17 and 18 in Hebrews 10, it says this, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Jesus paid the price. It's done. It's done, and what was impossible is now possible. 
It's impossible for us. With, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible for him. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. Not, not by, being, by thinking you're being ranked above somebody else. Not, not by how much, how much you've been blessed with, no matter what that is. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, in what's referred to as the Beatitudes, Jesus says this. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 5. Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Wait, I thought we should be full of the spirit. Well, the spirit that he's talking about there is our attitude. Blessed are those who surrender themselves, who humble themselves, for they, they will be willing to believe. They will drop everything and follow Jesus. The road to the door to enter the kingdom of God is the road of humility. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And and I guess I have a fourth question that, that I want us all to intentionally answer this morning, and it's this. How do we get in the back of the line this side of eternity? How do we get in the back of the line? How do we be last so that when push comes to shove and, and the important things in life occur, that we are actually first. Jesus, Jesus says that our attitude should be, nah, 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 you go first. You go first. You, you, take the, you take the best seat. You sit here. Pastor, you go through the carry-in dinner line first. What are some of the first words that we learn as children? Besides that, those really, you know, mom, dad, no, mine, 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 mine. We don't, what parents teach their children to do that? We don't, right? That's the flesh. Mine, mine, mine. We need to deprogram them to that isn't yours. You need to share. You can't always have what you want. Look, we don't have any kids at home anymore. But we have two dogs. Our dogs do this. Our older dog, he'll be down playing with the toy, and the younger dog will like wake up and look and go, oh, hey, I want that toy, and he'll run and he'll take it away from him. Even our dogs want to be first and get jealous and fall into the comparison thing. As adults, we need to be, repro- we need to be deprogrammed. We, we need to learn the yours phrase. Yours, yours, yours. We need to learn ourselves how to give up first place in the rat race of living. But How? I'm going I'm to leave us with two practical ways that we can get into the back of the line. The first one is this, by serving. The, the first is by serving. How, 
How many people know Jesus today? How many people in this room know Jesus today because somebody served you in the past? Somebody who was a Christian? Somebody loved you or forgave you or gave you grace or helped you? Maybe it was through a kids' ministry, maybe a youth ministry, a men's ministry, a women's ministry, or it was on a Project One. Maybe you cooked a meal for somebody. You had a hand with a repair project. You helped them study for a test, you college students. You weren't always just thinking of yourself. You, or, or maybe you listened to a middle schooler or a high schooler share about their struggles in life, and you, you prayed with them, and you prayed for them. Look, in Mark 10, 45, Jesus says, For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, to, to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. If you've been given some kind of, a, of, of power or a leadership position of authority over people, you, you know why that's been given to you? <laughs> so that you can serve other people. So that you can help other people. That is good for all of us when we go out of our way to help someone. That's how we get in the back of the line on this side of eternity, by holding the door for somebody else. Simon Sinek, author and speaker, said this, Leaders are the ones who are willing to give up something of their own for us. Their time, their energy, their money, maybe even the food off their plate. When it matters, leaders choose to eat last. Let's surrender to Jesus. That's the first step. I, we can't work our way to heaven. It, it, the Bible is very clear. Once our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, we begin to, we, we begin to seek to be like Jesus and we need to serve like he did. The first will be last and the last will be first. It's an upside down kingdom. A second way that we can get in the back of the line on this side of eternity is to do what the rich young ruler couldn't, and that's to give. Give. Look, I honestly don't know how rich or how not rich you are. I have no idea. But too often our money has us, not the other way around. The, the rich young ruler didn't have money. His money had him. That's one reason I believe God asks us to give in, in the form of a tithe, say, on a Sunday morning. Uh, it, it is a reminder to us where it comes from. Everything that we have comes from God. Everything we have is a gift from him. Yeah, but David, I worked for that. Yeah, but well, how, how'd you get that job? How'd you get that business? How'd you get that home? Well, we saved up a bunch of money. Where, where did that come from? Why didn't somebody else come along and buy the house? You were the one that ended up with it. Everything we have comes from God. And when we give, uh, you know, the tithe is the 10% of the first fruits of, of our earnings. It's an Old Testament number. It reminds us where, it, where we came from, and it causes us to trust. 
It helps us keep the wealth finances that we all do have in perspective. It it helps us to let go. Now, this giving is not only in regards to money, time, uh, forgiveness, grace, patience, all fits in here as well. Um, You know, what does money do? Dave Ramsey always says money doesn't buy happiness, but it buys fun, right? Uh, Money buys stuff. And what happens to stuff? Jesus told a story about that too. It rusts. It gets ripped off. We have to put locks on our doors to keep people from coming in and taking it. Why not, why not be generous towards other people? Look, and you might be thinking, but, but I don't really have that much. That's okay. You don't have to give much. It is a measure of sacrifice, not a total amount. Look, if, if your budget only, requ- only allows you, and, and it's a stretch for you to buy a couple cans of, of uh, a pumpkin pie mix or... I don't even know if that's a thing. I don't do pumpkin pie. I'm sorry. (laughs) If you can only sacrifice four cans of green beans, be generous in sacrificing four cans of green beans. The first will be last, and the last will first. Maybe, maybe it's taking someone to lunch or supper or, or giving them a gift card or a candy bar or a two-pound bag of Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> I don't know who you are because I haven't deciphered the card yet, but I got one of those this week from someone. Look, it doesn't have to be big. It, we often say this, but kind of deep down, especially when we're younger, we don't really believe it. It's the thought that counts, right? It really is. It's the fact that we intentionally took the time to do something for someone else. Maybe you know of a family who's having trouble making ends meet, and you could sacrifice a little one month and pay their car insurance or, or something to help them. I mean, be creative. Uh, I, I remember a long time ago, we, we helped a guy buy a car and, and we, we scrounged enough money from some of us here at church to pay the first six months of his car insurance because yeah, the car is a great gift, but he couldn't afford to insure it. He didn't have a job. So what, he's going to drive it illegally? No, we wanted to help him that first six months to get his feet back on solid ground. I mean, I, I've been, we've been blessed by so many people in, in so many different ways. Um, uh, this morning, uh, thank you to the ladies' ministry team. I think Brandon probably got one too. And maybe Pastor Michael, but I don't know if he did. I got a $30 gift card to On the Hook. Right? You get one? Yeah, on the hook is the, the Alaskan cod food truck that comes to Torrington, and we always rant and rave and make our way over there when it's in town. I mean, it was just like, ah. How cool is that? 
Now, think about the rich young ruler. One day he became the rich old ruler. And I wonder if he was glad with the decision that he made. I wonder if he stuck with the decision that he made. Because to me, with the trade that he made, it was a really bad trade. A really bad trade. Let's live our lives with our hands open, loosely holding on to the things in this world, and with our hands firmly tight around our Savior, Jesus Christ. And let's listen to him. Let's serve others like Jesus did. The first will be last. The last will be first. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that, that when, we, when we say stupid things, you look at us and, and you love us, just like you did the rich young ruler. And Jesus, help us to, to hear. Help us to be able to obey. When you ask us to let something go, help us to take that step and trust you. That you wouldn't have asked us to do that if you, if you, you weren't going to provide or you weren't going to teach us something. Lord, help me just to be better and better about being less adamant about being number one or winning. Lord, I pray that all of us would, would leave here today with thoughts and, and creative ideas about how we can serve other people, how we can give, how we can give of the divine resources that you have blessed us with and given us to help other people. Lord Jesus, draw our hearts into you. Help us to, to truly believe what we sang in that last song earlier, that, that we are in awe of you, of how great you are, how powerful and wonderful. Help us to let go and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.